0: CHAPTER 32 OF FREE AIR This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. FREE AIR BY SINCLAIR LEWIS CHAPTER 32 THE CORNFIELD ARISTOCRAT It was an innocent little note from Jeff Saxton. A polite, humble little note. It said that Jeff had a card to the Astoria Club, and wouldn't Milt please have lunch with him but milt dropped it on the table and he walked around it as though it were a dictograph which he'd discovered in the table drawer after happy happy hidden hours at counterfeiting it seemed more dangerous to refuse than to go he browned the celebrated new shoes he pressed the distinguished new trousers with a light and quite unsatisfactory flat iron he re 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 tied his best spotted blue bow it persisted in having the top flaps too short but the retying gave him spiritual strength and he modestly clumped into the aloof brick portal of the astoria club on time he had never been in a club before he looked at the red tiled floor of the entrance hall He stared through the hall into an immense lounge with the largest and softest chairs in the world, with oil portraits of distinguished old bucks and ninety percent of the wealth and power of Seattle, pulling its several mustaches, reading the P.I., and ignoring the lone intruder out in the hall. A small Zulu in blue tights and brass buttons glared at Milt, and a large, soft, suave, insulting young man demanded, Yes, sir. Uh, mr Jeffrey saxton ventured milt not in sir the sir sounded like and you know it the flaming guardian retired behind a narrow section of a bookkeeper's desk and ignored him i'm to meet him for lunch milt forlornly persisted the young man looked up hurt and annoyed at finding that the person was still to be dealt with if you will wait in there he groaned milt sat in there which was a small blue tapestry room with hard chairs intended to discourage bill collectors he turned his hat round and round till he saw Jeff Saxton slim and straight and hard as the stick hooked over his arm sailing into the hall he plunged out after him took refuge with him from the still unconvinced inspection of the hall man for twenty seconds he loved Jeff Saxton and Jeff seemed to adore him in turn He solicitously led Milt to the hat-checking counter. He showed Milt the lounge and the billiard room through which Milt crept with erect shoulders and easy eyes and a heart simply paralyzed with fear that one of these grizzled club men with clipped mustaches would look at him. He coaxed Milt into a grill that was a cross between the Chinese throne room and a Viennese vine stube, and he implored his friend Milt to do him the favor of trying the Very fair, English mutton chops and potatoes au gratin. I did want to see you again before we go east, Daggett, he said pleasantly. Thanks, when do you go? I'm trying to get Miss Boltwood to start soon now. The season is opening in the east. She does like your fine, sturdy west, as I do. But still, when we think of the exciting new shows opening and the dances and the touch with the great world, oh, it does make one eager to get back. "'That's so,' risked Milt. "'We, um, Daggett, in fact, I'm going to call you Milt, as Claire does. "'You don't know what a pleasure it has been to have encountered you. "'There's a fine, keen courage about you, Western chaps, "'that makes a cautious old fogey like me envious. "'I shall remember meeting you with a great deal of pleasure.' Uh, "'Thanks. Been a pleasure to meet you. "'And I know Claire will, too.' "'Milt felt that he was being dealt with foully.' He wanted to object to Saxton's acting as agent for Clare, as incompetent, irrelevant, immaterial, and no foundation laid. But he could not see just where he was being led, and with Saxton glowing at him as warmly and greasily as the mutton chops, Milk could only smile wanly and reflectively feel the table leg to see if it was loose enough to jerk out in case of need. Saxton was being optimistic. In fact, Claire and I both hope that some day, when you've finished your engineering course we'll see you in the East. I wonder—as I say, my dear fellow, I've taken the greatest fancy to you, and I do hope you won't think I'm too intimate if I say that I imagine that even in your charming friendship with Miss Boltwood, you've probably never learned what important people the Boltwoods are. I thought I'd tell you so that you could realize the privilege both you and I have in knowing them. Henry B. is— while not a man of any enormous wealth regarded as one of the keenest intellects in New York wholesale circles but beyond that he is a scholar and a man of the broadest interests of course the Boltwoods are too modest to speak of it but he was chiefly instrumental in the establishment of the famous Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra and his ancestors clear through his father was a federal judge his mother's brother was a general in the Civil War and afterwards an ambassador So you can guess something of the position Claire holds in the fine, quiet, solid, old Brooklyn set. Henry Ward Beecher himself was complimented at being asked to dine with the Boltwoods of his day. And, no, the table leg wouldn't come loose. So it was only verbally that the suddenly recovered Milt attacked. Certainly is nice to have one of those old families. It's something like, as you say, you and I have gotten pretty well acquainted along the line, so I guess I can say it to you. My father and his folks came from that same kind of family. Father's dad was a judge back in Maine, and in the war, granddad was quite friendly with Grant. This tribute of Milt to his grandsire was loyal but inaccurate. Judge Daggett, who wasn't a judge at all but a J.P., had seen General Grant only once, and at the time the judge had been in company with all the other privates in the 14th Maine. "'Dad was a pioneer. He was a doctor. He had to give up all this easygoing stuff in order to help open up the West to civilization. "'But I guess it was worth it. He used to do the hardest kind of operations on kitchen tables with his driver giving the chloroform. "'I'm mighty proud of him. As you say, it's kind of what you might call inspiring to belong to the old pilgrim aristocracy.'" Never before had Milt claimed relation to a group regarding which his only knowledge was the information derived from the red school history to the effect that they all carried blunderbusses, put people in the stocks for whistling, and frequently said, Why don't you speak for yourself, John? But he had made his boast with a clear eye and a pleasant, superior, calm smile. Oh, uh, very interesting, grunted Saxton. Would you like to see Grandfather's daguerreotype? Oh, yes, yes, uh, thanks, that would be very interesting. Uh, Do let me see it when, uh, as I was saying, Claire Doubtless has a tremendous social career before her, so many people expecting her to marry well. Of course she has a rather unusual combination of charm and intelligence, and, in fact, I think we may both be glad that... Yes, that's right. And the best thing about her is the way she can shake off all that social stuff and go camping and be a regular human being, Milt caressed. Um, no doubt, no doubt, though, of course, though, that isn't an inherent part of her. I fancy she's been rather tired by this long trip, poor child. Of course, she isn't very strong. That's right, real pluck. And of course, she'll get stronger by hiking. You've never seen her bucking a dangerous hill. I kind of feel that a person who hasn't seen her in the wilds doesn't know her. I don't want to be contradictory, old man, but I feel, on the other hand, that no one who has failed to see her at the Junior League dances in a Poiré frock can know her. Come, come. Don't know how we drifted into this chorus of praise of Claire. What I wanted to ask was your opinion of the Pierce Arrow. I'm thinking of buying one. Do you think that... All the way home, Milt exulted i put it all over him i wasn't scared by the don't butt into the aristocracy my young friend stuff i lied handsome but darn it now i'll have to live up to my new england aristocracy wonder if my granddad's dad was a hired man or a wood sawyer never mind i'm daggett of daggett from now on he bounded up to his room vaingloriously remarking i'm there with the ancestors i was brought up in the handsome city of schoenstrom which was founded by a colony of Vermont Yankees, headed by Herman Schumaltz. I was never allowed to play with the Dutch kids, and... He opened the door. The Schoenstrom minister taught me Greek and was my bosom friend. He stopped with his heart in his ankles. Lolling on the bed, grinning, waving a cigarette, was Bill McAlway, proprietor of the old home lunch of Schoenstrom, Minnesota where the heck did you come from stammered the deposed aristocrat to his bosom friend bill You old lemon pie-faced lollygagging, flap-footed crab-nosed son of misery gee but it's good to see you milt bill was off the bed wringing milt's hand with simple joy with perfect faith that in finding his friend all the troubles of life were over and milt was gloomily discovering the art of diplomacy bill was his friend yes but it was hard enough to carry his own self he pictured jeff saxton leering at the door and while he pounded bill's shoulder and called him the name which west of chicago is the token of hatred and of extreme gladness and meeting he discovered that someone had stolen his stomach and left a piece of ice in its place they settled down on bed and chair bill's ears red with joy while milk demanded how the deuce did you get here? Well, tell you, old hoss, Sean Strom got so darn lonely after you left, and when Ben and Heine got your address and bought the garage, thinks I, let's go off on a little bum. Milt was realizing, and hating himself for realizing, that Bill's face was dirty, his hair lenty, the bottom of his trousers frayed masses of mud, while Bill chuckled, I figured out maybe I could get a job here in a restaurant and you and me could room together. I sold out my Goodwill and the old home lunch for a hundred bucks. I was going to travel swell, riding the cushions, but Pete Swanson wanted me to go down to the cities first, and we run into some pretty swift travelers in Minneapolis and a couple of girls, say, kids, some class. Bill winked. And Milt? Milt was rather sick. He knew Bill's conception of class in young women. Was this the fellow he had liked so well? These the ideas which a few months ago he had taken as natural and extremely amusing. And I got held up in an alley off Washington Avenue, and they got the last twenty bones off me, and I was flatterin' a pancake. So I says, Ishkabibble, and I sneaks onto the blind luggage, and bums my way west. You'd have died laughing to see me throwin' my feet for grub. Oh, I'm some panhandler. There was one frow sicked her dog onto me, and I kicked him in the jaw, and Oh, it was one swell hike. Milt was trying to ignore the voice that was raging, and now he expects to live on me after throwing his own money away, the waster, the hobo. He'll expect to meet Claire. I'll kill him before I let him soil her by looking at her, him and his classy girls. Milt tried to hear only the other inner voice which informed him, He looks at you so trustingly. He'd give you his shirt if you needed it and he wouldn't make you ask for it. Milt tried to be hearty. What are you going to do, old kid? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is borrow ten iron men and a pair of pants. You bet. Here she is. Haven't got any extra pants to tell you. Here's another five. You can get the pants at the store in the next block, this side of the street. Hustle along now and get them. He chuckled at Bill. He patted his arm. He sought to hurry him out. He had to be alone to think. But Bill kissed the fifteen dollars, carelessly rammed it into his pocket, crawled back on the bed, and yawned. "'What's the rush? Gosh, I'm sleepy. Say, Milt, what do you think of me and you starting a lunch room here together? You got enough money out of the garage.' "'Oh, no, no. Gee, I'd like to, Bill, but you see, well, I've got to hold on to what little I've got so I can get through engineering school.' Sure, but you could cash in on a restaurant. You could work evenings in the dump, and there'd be a lot of city sports hanging around, and we'd have the time of our lives. No, i-I study evenings, and i-the fact is, Bill, I've met a lot of nice fellows at the university, and I kind of go around with them oh how do you get that way rats you don't want to go tagging after them willy boys damn dirty snobs and the girls are worse i tell you milt these hoopty tootled society janes may look all right to hicks like us but on the side they raise more hell than any milner's trimmer from shy that ever vamped a Rue berg what do you know about them now don't get sore i'm telling you i don't like to see any friend of mine make a fool of himself hanging around with a bunch that despises him because he ain't rich that's all meant any of the high-toned skirts yes i have trot em up and let me give them the once-over we, we'll see about it now i gotta go to a mathematics recitation bill you make yourself comfortable i'll be back at five milt did not have to go to a recitation he marched out with briskness in his step and a book under his arm but when he reached the corner the briskness proved to be spurious in the mathematics book Proved to be william rose bonnet's merchants of cathay which claire had given him in the yellowstone and which he had rescued from the wrecked bug he stood staring at it he opened it with unhappy tenderness he had been snatched from the world of beautiful words and serene dignity of soaring mountains and companionship with claire in the radiant morning back to the mud and dust of schoenstrom from the opera to city sports in a lunchroom he hated Bill McGowey and his sneering assumption that Milt belonged in the filth with him, and he hated himself for not being enough of a genius to combine Bill McGowey and Claire Boltwood. But not once, in his maelstrom of worry on that street corner, did he expect Claire to like Bill. Through all his youthful agonizing, he had enough common sense to know that though Claire might conquer a mountain pass, she could never be equal to the social demands of Schoenstrom and Bill McGowey. He wandered for an hour and came back to find that in a dry city which he had never seen before, the crafty Bill had obtained a quart of bourbon and was in a state of unsteady beatitude. He wanted, he announced, to dance. Milt got him into the community bathtub and soused him under, but Bill's wet body was slippery and Bill's merry soul was all for frolicsome gamboling, and he slid out of Milt's grasp. He sloshed around in the tub, he sprinkled Milt's sacred good suit with soapy water, and escaped, and in the costume of Adam, he danced orientally in Milt's room till he was seized with sleepiness and cosmic grief, and retired to Milt's bed in tears and nothing else. The room dimmed, grew dark. The street lamps outside sent a wan, wavering gleam into the room. Evening crowds went by, and in a motion picture theater, a banging piano struck up bill breathed in choking snorts milt sat unmoving feeling very old very tired too dumbly unhappy to be frightened of the dreadful coming hour when claire and jeff should hear of bill and discover milt's real world he was not so romantically loyal not so inhumanely heroic that it can truthfully be reported that he never thought of getting rid of bill he did think of it again and again But always he was touched by bills unsuspecting trust and shook his head and sank again into the fog what was the use of trying to go ahead wasn't he after all merely a bill McAlway himself if he was he wouldn't inflict himself on Claire for several minutes he gave up forever the zest of climbing when bill awoke brightly solicitous about the rest of a quart of bourbon and bouncingly ready to go out and have a time Milt loafed about the streets with him, showing him the city. He dully cut his classes next morning and took Bill to the wharves. It was late in the afternoon when they were lounging in the room and Bill was admiring his new pants. He boasted of having bought them for three dollars and pointed out that Milt had been a galoot to spend ten dollars for shoes that someone knocked at the door. Sleepily expectant of his landlady, Milt opened it on Miss Claire Boltwood, mr and mrs eugene gilson and mr jeffrey saxton saxton calmly looked past him at bill smiled slightly and condescended i thought we ought to call on you so we've dropped in to beg for tea bill had stopped midway in scratching his head to gape at claire claire returned the look stared at bill's frowsy hair his red wrist his wrinkled grease-stained coat his expression of impertinent stupidity then she glanced questionly at milt who choked oh yes yes sure glad to see you come in get some tea so glad to see you come in end of chapter thirty two